theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. I heard somebody was going around yesterday collecting. He said, Matanas Lavyonim Katan. We're up to Perik Ches in this uh, classic mimer of Vayikach Hamanas Lavush Vesasus. That's page 240 in the Torah. Top it says, Hesophis Megillus Esther, the Torah Megillus Esther. Oisches, the second column close to the bottom, page 240, Dav Kuf column 4. Vizel, Inyan Purim Bechlau. After everything that has been said above, we now come to explore the very concept of Purim, the theme of Purim. For you all know the Megillah says, The reason that the Nevi'im of the generation who instituted the holiday of Purim, they gave it a name. And we know they gave it a name because the Megillah writes, they says the name. Mm-hmm. And the Megillah, which was... Uh, which was written at that time, says, why did they name it Purim? Al-Shem Ha-Pur. Pur is not a Hebrew word. Pur is a Persian word. It's a Farsi. It's a word in Farsi. And that's why the Megillah says, Al-Shem Ha-Pur. Purim, Al-Shem Ha-Pur. Hu Why do you have to say Hu Because the Megillah is written in Hebrew, in Lashon Kaidish, in the Holy Tongue. And the Megillah is translating what Pur means. So Pur is the Gairo. Why would you name a holiday Purim, which means a Gairo, which means a lot, casting lots? So the Megillah explains which Gairo we're talking about. That when Haman decided, Achman al to exterminate Kalal Yisrael, he didn't just choose a random day. It says, Hippil Pur, who are Gairo? V'yoyim l'chaydish He decided he's going to cast a lot. First of all, which month of the year? Hebrew month. Jewish month. And not only that, which day of the month? It's not enough for him to just do it. Fight the day. No. He's going to throw a goiro. And he's going to cast a lot. This is, In other words, this is a planned event. It's not, well, we know it's a planned event. But it's not just a planned event. We'll choose a day. He's going to cast a goiro to figure out which month and which day. Now, it's fascinating. If you had to give the holiday a name, if the people here this year were on a committee, you lived through Purim, and they would come to you and say, what name would you choose for this holiday to convey its spirit? What do you think? What's the first name that comes to your mind? Huh? Really? (laughs) Really. Miracle. Miracle, okay. But you want to be a little more specific, maybe. Right? You want to be a little more specific? Esther, huh? Maybe Esther, maybe Mordechai, maybe the rescue of the Jewish people, right? maybe from death to life, salvation, deliverance. Liber- Pesach we call Zman Cheruseinu, the time of our emancipation. That describes the holiday. Pesach describes one detail, Hashem leaping over the homes, but also a very positive one, a miraculous one, because that's the night when Parai finally... It was the straw that broke the camel's back when the first males died, and Pare lost it and said, okay, I'm done. You got me. You have uh, triumphed Gleev. 
Sukkot, you celebrate the Hots. Besukkot, Hoshavtis, B'nai Yisrael. Chanukah, right, as the Roshonim say. Chanukah Sabayis. Huh? Shavuos is the end of weeks, yeah. So you want, and we, we understand this. We understand this. A holiday, you want to express somehow the positive element. Here, what did they choose? They chose a detail of the story that doesn't really seem so relevant. Lamainaf Kamina, if Haman did cast lots or not. Let's say, yeah. Let's say Haman did not cast a goido. He didn't. He decided, I like January 29, uh, January 26. That's what I like. Yeah. I like Yud Bey's order. I like Yud Cheshvat. Whatever it is, random. Not even like. Take a day. Who cares? The king agrees. So it's, it's, it, would, it would change the story. It wouldn't change the story. It's the same decree and the same salvation. Elamai Haman decided, this vicious man, he's not going to do it with a girdle. Yeah. So we commemorate the girdle of Haman. Not only is it an incidental part of the story, the question is much stronger. It's commemorating Haman. That's really what you want to do with your name? You want to commemorate the girdle that Haman made? Like that's, that's the point of this holiday that he made a girdle? The point of the holiday is that we, we got rid of him. We were rescued. This is a very, if you think about it, it doesn't seem like too many of you are excited of the, about the question, but if you think about it, it's, a, uh, it's, quite a, uh, it's quite a significant question of why they would give it this name. Why the, why, why the, um, it was before in the singular? Excellent question. And then why would it be Purim? It should be Pur. So call it Pur. In the singular, not in the plural. Very good question. That's going to lead to the answer. It's a Yomit, because it's two days, so that's why. It's a Pur, so it's a Yomit, but El Kekorol, you don't say Yomazet. Right, but we don't call, Pesach is eight days, we don't call it Pesachim. Pesach is eight days, we call it Pesach. Every day is part of this holiday, Right. And then comes another question. What was Haman thinking? Why did he need a girdle? What was this, some mysticism? He was trying to manipulate something? That's the very, another very powerful question. What was Haman thinking? Why did he need a girdle? What is this? You want to know if God, you want, you want God to agree to you? What he thought God is, is on his side. God also wants to exterminate the Jews. Haman wasn't such an amaritz. You see from the Medrash, he knew some halacha and cetera. He knew a lot of halachas. He convinced the Hashvedish that Judaism is strange and racism and bigot, bigoted, ra- racist and bigoted, etc. If the, the Hashvedish pours their wine, they're not going to touch the wine, etc. Why are you making a girdle? What is this? He's going to throw a lot. He's going to see which month it comes out. Who is he trying to appease through this girdle? What is he trying to find out through this girdle? He wants to exterminate an entire nation as an absolute anti-Semitism. As in a display of absolute hatred, but he throws a girdle. He's not just going to choose any day. He needs to cast a lot. Why? So something was here. What like the girdle meant something to him? What did it mean? What, what could it mean? I understand a person who has some type of emuna and hashgacha, right? And says, I want it, we're going to throw a girdle and see what God wants. Because there's no chance. If you win the girdle, if you choose the right piece of paper, it means God wanted you to win. Why? People make girdles all the time, right? 
But what was Haman thinking? What, now he's suddenly a believer in Hashgacha. Nothing is random. I don't know. That. It's all random. And let's say the girdle comes up with a certain day. It's pure luck. It's a game of cards. It's a deck of cards. And you chose a card. So now that card becomes cosmically significant. So there's something here about the girdle that is at the theme and the essence of Purim. For Indian who... Ah? Somehow tying back into the Kippur. That's going to be connected as well. Yom Kippur was also a Goyrel. This only uh, demonstrates how profound the theme of Goyrel is. Because as we shall see, Yom HaKippurim, it says in Zohar, in Tikkuni Zohar, that it's called Yom HaKippurim. And one of the meanings is Kippurim. That Purim and Yom HaKippurim were given similar names. Even though Kippurim means atonement, from the word kapara. But it happens to be that yoim ha-kippurim is also yoim ha-kippurim. So the Zoya says, purim iskirias al-shem yoim ha-kippurim. So Yom Kippur is a day of atonement. Purim means a goyrel, but Yom Kippur there was also a goyrel. The Kohen Gadol cast a lot. Not Hamon, Lahavdul the Kohen Gadol cast also a lot. And he picked up from a box two uh, Two different simonim, uh, two different signs. One was La Hashem and one was La Zazel. So that's another connection with Goyal. We see all the days, the entire duration of time when the Jewish people were endangered because of the edict, the decree of Haman. And this continued, kemat, almost, for a full year. This is a very important detail that often people don't realize in the Megillah. And that is, just for the simple history of it to understand, the decree of Haman was issued forth on Yud Gimel Nisan. The 13th of Nisan. It says the scribes were called to the king by Yikaru Sefer HaMelech, and they issued forth the edict. Right? Haman and the king went to drink, sat down to drink, and the city of Shushan became overwhelmed. The Jewish people bewildered and overwhelmed from sadness and melancholy over the new edict. When is this? This is all right before Pesach. When is the day of extermination? Yud Gimel Adar. That's why he says, Those words are meticulous. It wasn't a full year. Full year would be till Yud Gimel Nisan. It was a year lacking a month because it was literally from Yud Gimel Nisan to Yud Gimel Adar, 11 months. So therefore he says, Kim'at almost a year. And because it was almost a year, so a whole year the Jews lived in tremendous ambivalence because in 11 months from now there is a decree that every person should exterminate every Jew, man, woman, and child. Now, Things changed very rapidly, but the decree never changed. The decree never changed. Meaning, Esther went in and summoned summoned her cheshvesh to a party, and then she she went in after three days. So when did she go in? She went in on the second day of Pesach, and she summoned them to a party, and then to another party, and at the second party, Haman was hung. Right, Haman was hung. And uh, and that meant 
that the, 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 the chief arch enemy was executed. But that would be like executing uh, Himmler, Yemach Shemoy, or Eichmann in 1940. They were chief operators, but uh, Hitler was intact, the Third Reich was doing its thing, and the machine of destruction continued, even if a key figure was out. Haman was the initiator. Haman was the architect of the final solution. But there was an apparatus. The regime was behind it. Achashverosh was behind it. And the decree was out there. So Haman was killed. It's a nice thing, but in the big picture, it's meaningless. Mamash meaningless. That's what you have to understand in the story. And when Esther asked her husband, her the king, to issue, to retract, he says, I can't retract. Like we learned in the previous days, there's a seal, there's a chayson. All he did was, I'll issue forth a second edict. What's the second edict? Jews have a right for self-defense. But a whole year, nobody knew what's going to happen. Yes, Mordechai was promoted, Esther was promoted. There was an atmosphere in the government that was benevolent towards the Jewish people. The first lady was Jewish, and the prime minister was Jewish. So obviously, that created a change of climate. But you have to understand that there was a royal decree that everybody could murder a Jew, a Yud Gimel, and you would not get any penalty. This is a decree of the king. So even though the Jews are going to defend themselves, they're a minority. And the troops are not, maybe not getting involved either way, but the Jews have to defend themselves. So there was a tremendous, it was a tremendous year that one can't describe where they're basically... Uh, you know, waiting ducks, so to speak, sitting and waiting for this Yud Gimelot. That's what the Balatanya is now going to say. Kemat met. That's why he says Kemat Meshech Shana. What's his das? Okay. Shenim Shechazman Kemat Meshech Shana. The whole time. So this danger didn't. It wasn't a day. It wasn't two days. It wasn't a week. It was almost a year. A whole year when they stood in Sakana, there was a certain atmosphere, an ambiance, a conviction that permeated the entire Jewish people. They were all in a state of Mesiris Nefesh Mamash, of complete dedication and commitment. Every day of this year, every moment, every hour. Every hour of this year, in other words, the entire year, every single Jew was prepared to dedicate, to give over his life as a Jew, even if that would be death, even if that would spell death. Rather than change their identity, change their das, their religion, their conviction, their faith, go to the other side. The Balatanya says, not one Jew at the time had a machsheves chutz, a thought, a thought, chutz would mean from outside, God forbid, meaning it wasn't just they identified as Jews. Internally, they did not have a machsheves chutz, nobody made this plan or strategy and had this thought of converting, of changing, of ceasing to be Jewish, so to speak, and thus saving their life. Now, when I learned the Maimah the first time, I wondered, how did the Balatanya know 
Nobody had a machshavas chutzchas or so. How did he know? I mean, there's no recordings of Jews going over. But how do you know? But had a machshavas chutz. Maybe they had a machshavas chutz. Okay, you'll figure out the answer on your own. But uh, but it's a very it's a very very uh, telling observation that he makes a statement that for a whole year nobody had a machshavas chutzchas for shom. This nekuda comes from something that's deeper than tam, deeper than just rational calculations. Right. But apparently he believed, which is also a Chiddush, that if a Jew would say he doesn't want to be Jewish, then the Gzeda wouldn't apply to him. different than by the Holocaust. It's mashma from here that there was an option. There was a way, just like with the Christians' persecutions, the Crusades, the Inquisition, and other pogroms and persecutions throughout the generations, very often conversion was an option, which was extremely tempting, and indeed many did, simply to save their lives. And the same is true with Islamic persecutions and so forth. Unlike during the Second World War, during the Holocaust. It's mashma from here that it's a chiddush that there was no machshavah schutz, because they could have saved their lives. That's also a gewaldic echidish in the Pshat of Purim. That it wasn't just every Jew, you had to identify as a Jew. She said, you don't want to be Jewish, you want to forget, you're not part of it. In other words, when Haman said, Yeshnoi am echad, mefuzud mefoyred ben amim, vidaseyem shoynois mikol am. He spoke about their doseyem, their, their religion, their faith, their lifestyle, their belief system. Right. In other words, it was about their practice. Even if deep down it was against their race, but officially the excuse was how they live. So if somebody converted, it's mashma from here. It doesn't say it explicitly, but it's mashma from here that there was a way out. Nonetheless, nobody chose that way out. And as he says it, not only not in Maisa, they didn't even have a machshavas chutz. They were like in a different state. This is me under all costs. This is not going to change. Complete commitment, complete loyal dedication at any cost. You want to kill me, you'll kill me. It goes back to Judaism not being a religion. Hitler's the only one who made that. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And according to the Balatanya, that was first came out in history on Purim. That concept that we spoke, we've been talking about, the Chosim, right, the Chosim, the Tabas, the Makif of Knesset Yisrael, that it's not really a religion. It's an identity. That's why he starts over Zel in Purim. This came out in Purim, as he's going to explain. Kihine. Okay, we're talking about Purim and Metan's Purim. Yes, it's Purim. Asmalad and Vegan Purim is Purim, especially Shushan Purim Kap. The Gemara says in Menachas. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Is Purim. Especially Shushan Purim Kap. So Kihine. The main concept, when we speak about Mesiris Nefesh, the word Mesiris Nefesh, the real idea of Mesiris Nefesh, even though the term is used often, you know, he has Mesiris Nefesh for this, 
that's called a Shem HaMushal, a borrowed term. But the real, authentic meaning of Mesir Nefesh is that it's not based on Tam Vidas. Tam is reason, rationality. He's going to explain. The fact that it's explained in various Svarim of Yira. Yira means Svarim that deal with Yiris Hashem, like Musr. Svarim of Musr and ethics and spiritual growth. The Ava al Pitam Vesechel Nikrim Mesiris Nefesh. That when somebody loves, and loves based on understanding, I love something based on understanding. It makes sense. That's what Tam means. Tam means there's a reason, there's a flavor. The word Tam means a flavor. Seichel means there's an understanding. It's not really the authentic term. In other words, you're, you're dedicating your soul. Mysterious Nefesh, your soul is dedicated. Huh? Okay. He's overly disagreeing with the Sivrayim, or it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. But when he says Zeino, he means it's, it's not the ultimate meaning of the term. It's a borrowed term. Sometimes you'll use the term in a different context, right? Even though that's not... You'll say uh, you're sitting in the head of the table. We know that a table doesn't have a head. A body has a head. But we borrow the term Rosh and we use it. In Tanya chapter 1, the Balatanya says that a tzaddik in Gemara, in some places, is using a borrowed term. When somebody came out of the Besdin and he's he's righteous, they say he's a tzaddik bedinoi. doesn't mean he's a tzaddik in everything. It's a tzaddik bedina. So even a tzaddik, you say, this person is a tzaddik. So you're borrowing the term to describe a certain quality. But he says it's not the ultimate idea. Why? Love that's really with Mesiris Nefesh means that it transcends Tam and Seichel. Now here's a very uh, powerful observation. Even somebody, Mela, when you talk about Ahava love, it's an inner emotion. So you could say there's a, a love on this level, there's a love that's much deeper, there's a love, there's a love that's with Mesiris Nefesh, there's a love that's, that's dedicated, but it's not with Mesiris Nefesh. But here we're saying even more, even somebody who actually, Moiser Nefesh, he gives over his soul, Al Kiddush Hashem, for the sanctification of Hashem's name, but Poyal Mamash, literally, not in thought, not in readiness, in reality. If the objective of this sacrifice is to achieve something, in order to receive some type of reward, and we're talking, of course, a spiritual reward, so the person is 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 has passed the ultimate test for whatever the goal is. In this case, Al-Kiddush Hashem, he sacrificed his life. He gave over his body, gave over his life. But it's Al-Manas Pras. In other words, I want to reach something. I want to get something from it. So, it's a very powerful thing. It's one of the most, it's, it's extraordinary. But had nefesh Will you call it Mesidus Nefesh? Of course, person gave over his son. Is it Mesiris Nefesh Amitis? No. Why? Kima Masar, only the Altida, but Kima Masar Nafshai. Where did he give over his soul? Halayarviach Bazai Revach Godel. Mashi Kabo Pras. He's, he's uh, gaining a tremendous Revach. He's gaining a tremendous benefit. Vahareze al Derech Mosh. Lomosh. Shegimsira Adam Nafshai. Kadela Malois Nafshai. Bahoin Ravikayotse. A person. Sometimes goes crazy 
will sacrifice his family and his house and his time and his energy and his health and his resources in order to fill his soul with hoinrav, with tremendous wealth. Minag America, the golden of Medina, right? You sell everything, you give up everything because you have to make a lot of money. Or because you want to be the ultimately powerful person. Either it's wealth or it's power. Shrara is rulership, rulership. So in order to climb the ladder to get to the top, you'll sell everything, you'll give up everything, your conscience, your soul, your heart, your identity, your family, your priorities, your values. Question, does, does he have a choice in being the master of the Yeah, 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 no, no, choice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So his point is that there are different types of investments. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. A choice. Yeah. Okay. One second. One second. So he says a person is moisa nefesh for 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 some hoinraf. Yeah. Or shradagdayla. When you replicate that in Avodah Hashem, where the benefit is a different type of benefit, it's not money or power, but that replica, that model, is not the real concept of Mesidus Nefesh. Basically, by giving up one thing, you want to get something much better. That's what all, all sacrifices are. That's what rational sacrifices are on any level. I sacrifice something smaller to get something bigger. What, what's an investment? You take money, you invest it in a company, you invest it in a project, you're losing money. However, what's the cheshman? The cheshman is, I'm investing $100,000, I'll get back to $100,000, half a million dollars. So a person is going to say, wow, look at this Mercedes Nefesh. Look what this person is giving up just to help another person. Well, it's very nice, but there's a clear cheshbon. I'm not giving it up. I'm not being. I'm not giving it up. I want something much more. I want to get back something much more. That's what all sacrifices are like. Vim Cain, he. So therefore, it's the same nekuda. He's not giving it up. Shekvar hoyim meshuka, b'ritzay noisav hativim, elishemagiel lechefet v'ratzin yakayosa. Every person, he has his desires that he wants, and he remains with those desires. Elamai, he wants more. Because he wants more, he's giving up. He's giving up. Isn't that kind of a serious nefesh with Sita in oneself? He's doing it for a It could be, yeah. It could be, yeah. It could be. So when a person thinks, when you think about the concept of Mercedes nefesh, we all understand You have soldiers go to battle. They're ready to die. They do it every day. And it's an extraordinary commitment. It's an extraordinary commitment. What's the motivation? People do take risks where they risk their life to go into the Guinea's Book of World Records. They want to go into the Book of World Records. Yeah. Kings, leaders, generals, military geniuses did unbelievably courageous things where they might have died and they often died. Mesiris Nefesh. But what's the purpose? What's the common denominator? Lahavdil, in a very grotesque fashion, 
There are the suicide bombers, jihadists, who go to die with a smile, with a smile on their lips. What's the motivation? They have been indoctrinated. If you blow yourself up for the sake of jihad, and you come to heaven, and you find your 72 pies of pizza, or uh, rolls of sushi, however you want to define it. So what's the Nikuda? The Nikuda is, it's obviously Shtusim, it's not Rishkait. But what's the person is indoctrinated? What's life in this world? You die here, and up there, who eternal bliss. The soldier dies, but he knows in his last moment, what did he die for? Nobody knows. A great cause. My country. My country. And what my country represents. Does the person who dies in this courageous moment in battle, his name will be immortalized for eternity. It will be enshrined. I may not live in a body, but I'll live in people's memories. This has been the motivation. I'll live on in people's minds. I will be the hero. I will be the hero. In other words, what's Messias Nefesh? I replace my eye for a larger eye. I don't want my eye to remain a small eye in my body. I want my eye to be bigger. I want it to live for 2,000 years. I don't want it to live for 89 years. I want it to live So it's not less ego, it's more ego. <laughs> it's just your ego is bigger. One person says, you know, somebody once said, I don't want to achieve immortality by living on in people's minds. I want to achieve immortality by living in my apartment forever. Okay? If you could live in your apartment forever. Now let's take this Tavoydus Hashem Lahavdil. We're not comparing Chas V'Shalom the motivation to some Meshugan cult member who has been indoctrinated and brainwashed. But the Alter Rebbe says, what does Mesiris Nefesh mean? Mesiris Nefesh means I'm giving up my soul. I'm giving up one aspect of life, physical life, why? Because I want something much more powerful. I want something much more eternal. I want something much greater. So as you see it in the negative, a person will, uh, there's been been stories in life where people uh, fell in love with other people and they couldn't survive. They said, if I don't have you, I'm going to die. They killed themselves. Why? The aggravation is that called Mesiris Nafesh? <laughs> the pain of living was much worse than the pain of death. And unfortunately we see it every day with youngsters. What does it take for a person to overdose and consciously take their life or consciously do things that may take their life? What does it take? The pain of living is so deep that literally the only escape of that pain is either I could numb it, which they do for, I do, people do for many years, and then there comes a point where numbing and numbing and numbing and the pain becomes more acute and more acute and there's one way out. Life, death is actually a pleasure. Death is the beginning of paradise. It's the respite of all this. A lot of people who see these stories don't understand what's going on. They don't understand the pain that people are going through in order to make them feel that this is actually the best option 
For other people, it's inconceivable. They'll do anything to stay alive. Yeah, people go through so many therapies and surgeries, and chemotherapies and years of treatment just to be able to lengthen their life for a year, for six months, for two years, for five years. And it's considered a gewaltige gift. And other people, yeah, 18-year-olds and 20-year-olds and 24-year-olds, the life is so painful that death is already the positive experience. So there it's in the negative. So somebody's going to say, wow, he went on a serious nefesh, he overdosed. Now over there we all understand clearly that that word is inapplicable, tragically and sadly. The, the world was such a horrible place, the world was such a bad place. And we have to ask ourselves, why is the world such a horrible place? What is the person experiencing that is so painful? And I know how relevant this question is to some of us sitting in this room. It's a very, very relevant question. And the first step in this is to understand the sensitivity of how deep people could be in pain, which other people completely don't understand. It's like, what's wrong? There's jalapeno herring. Why couldn't you just eat jalapeno herring? Some of us live for that. Right? Again, we go back to the soul of an addict where uh, heading doesn't cut it. Heading doesn't cut it. And even Ragalach may not do the trick. Even Ragalach, believe it or not. Maybe Cholin Thursday night. There's a right amount of kishka. For some people, like that's it. What else, what else do you need? What's nach dafsto? Nach with a with a bissel schnapps. But other people are different, in a different state. So that's a concept where a person says, Rivka tells, uh, what does Rivka tell uh, Yitzchak? Katsti bechaya. I'm disgusted with my life. If Yaakov uh, marries Meches, what does Rachel tell Yaakov? If I can't have children, I'm dead. I'm dead. That's in the negative. I want to run away because I have no place. We could, we could understand that. There's a motivation. I'm trying to have a little menuchas anefesh. I can't have it in this world. Unfathomable tragedy. Unfathomable tragedy. Exhausted souls. Sometimes the living are considered dead, though. You can notice this, right? So, a person has a. Shayim Bechayem, yeah. The Messiris Nefesh that the author is talking about is a Messiris Nefesh. It seems like it's the most positive, but still has some idea of. Oh, yeah. So that's what he's saying here, and it's a very, very edel, very, very edel. Balatanya is saying that real Messiris Nefesh doesn't just mean that a person realizes that Olam Haba is far greater than Olam Haza. Olam Haza is a short period of time. It's temporary, which is a discussion, that's what he says in Sifri Hayira. All Sifri Musa are filled with this idea. Olam Haza, Lagabe Olam Haba is a hundred years, Lagabe eternity. So if I can offer you, I can offer you $50,000 on the spot. Or I tell you, no, invest these $50,000, but in a couple of years... In a couple of years, you're going to have $120 billion. You'll be the richest person who ever lived, even richer than the head of Amazon and Microsoft put together. $120 billion. What? It's a psashayla. LMI, I have to be convinced that I'm going to get the $120 billion, And if I give you the 50000 but you're going to say, I'm a meshugana, I'm a lunatic. I'm, I don't care about anything. I care very much. I'm making a very rational calculation. 
the rational calculation is eternal life is much greater than physical life. There's something I want to achieve. So sometimes it's, I want to achieve fame. I want to achieve glory. I want to be considered the hero of history. I want my country to survive. I want to go down in the book of world records. I want to be enshrined in statues as the man who gave his sweat, blood, and tears to save Europe from tyranny, etc., etc. And sometimes these goals are grand and glorious and moral and positive. We're not talking necessarily despicable, stupid, foolish, brainwashed goals of 72 uh, uh, slices of pizza, whatever the marshal and the nimshal is in this case. So the Alter Rebbe says... You're not going to call it, you're not going to call it Mesiris Nefesh. Ma'amosar I gave my soul, I gave up a part in order to get more. That, that's what I did. I may not get more in the physical sense, but I'm going to get much more in terms of what really matters to me, and this matters to me. So what it means is that this person actually has a larger vision of reality. That's what it means. Okay. Gewaltig. It's still not the kud of Mesiris Nefesh. Amitis. So what about the atheists? If they Mesiris Nefesh, they nothing left. For, for what, whatever they do it for. Maybe life is too hard, Taka. So that's a form of suicide. Or it's an investment. What would be the, what the investment may be, I want to be glorified. I want my country to live. I want my dynasty to live. Huh? Sometimes it's very positive. He's not knocking it. He's just saying it's not Mercedes, It's not real Mercedes Nafesh. Probably the highest form of giving your life for a Kedusha Hashem be the ultimate. Well, we'll soon see what Mercedes Nafesh is. All he's saying is that this is not the ultimate true Mercedes Nafesh. This is a form of a very deep and powerful investment. A person gives up one form of life for a greater form of life. When a child comes out of the womb, would you call, if the child would be aware and conscious, would you call it Mesiris Nefesh? You had a beautiful life in the womb, mommy was eating, mommy was drinking, mommy did all the work, and now you're going to have to nurse and take care of yourself. So would you choose to stay in the womb or come out? You give up one form of life for a much greater form of life. Does it come with, uh, with, with a cost? Of course. You've got to cut the umbilical cord and you live a new type of life. So a person understands there's a greater form of life. So it's really an investment. I'm giving something up in order to get back a higher nefesh. I'm giving up the soul, not to give up, to be higher, to be more. Which really brings us to a question, not just about Messiah, but all avoidus Hashem. We call it serving Hashem. What does serving Hashem mean? You'll ask a person, you could go through the outer shul today in the morning and ask a person, why did you come to Davin Shachos today? So maybe a lot of people don't think about it. You get up, you brush your teeth, you come to shul, that's how you grew up. But if somebody stops, why? What's the motivation? So one person might say, I just do it, I do it out of habit. Another person might say, I want schar. I want reward. I want reward in Elam Haz, I want reward in Elam Haba. So who am I serving? I'm serving God. I show up at my job in the morning because I'm serving my boss. I mean, I'm working for my boss for one reason. I want a paycheck. I'm not an idiot. I could stay in bed. But if I want a paycheck, and Baruch Hashem gives me a nice paycheck, so I show up. So who am I doing it? I'm doing it for me. 
Even if you tell me I'm doing it for Elam Haba, who's going to get it in Elam Haba? Me. So I'm again doing it for me. Even if you tell me I do it for spiritual and intellectual satisfaction. So who am I doing it for? I read a beautiful book that's enriching. Who am I reading the book for? You, I'm reading it for me. I'm reading it for the author. <laughs> the author may be happy that I'm reading his book because his sales go up. Sometimes it becomes a part of the your DNA. In a chadami. Exactly. You, yeah. If you want the Amish to be happy with your ability, you're also doing it for God, but you're also doing it for Right, so, so the real question is, what does the word Avaitis Hashem mean, serving Hashem? We should just say, we're serving ourselves. In other words, I'm using God to reach where I want to reach. Since God is the boss, He has the ultimate paycheck, so therefore I use Him. He has the money, He has the cash. I know... I know, you have a rich father, yeah? So you got to use your father. How do you use your father? You got to do things that your father likes, so you'll get the money. So you got to do things that God likes. So what level of Yiddishkeit is this? I mean, if you'll, if you'll ask people about this, it's a very common thing. Why else should you do it? Why else should you do it? I mean, you're an idiot. Why should you do it? Why do you learn? You do mitzvahs, you do... I'm getting something out of it. So if I'm getting something out of it, essentially, the, at the core is my, my, myself. Now here we're talking about even more. Mysterious nefesh means you're giving up. It's the ultimate price. Nonetheless, he says, what is it essentially if I just want to reach a higher thing, a higher goal, I want to attain a higher idea. So essentially, the nekudah here is not giving up. The nekudah is I'm getting so that's why his lotion was Mamas Arnafshay, Halayarviak Bazai Revach Godal Mashikabopras. It's actually a great revach. More than giving up, he's getting. That's the reason he's giving up. If not, he wouldn't give it up. Elah. Ikidin in Mesidis Nefesh Amitis. So even though we call this Mesidis Nefesh, but the real concept of Mesidis Nefesh, which is true, is Shaloila Hagia Lishum Khaifitz Vidatsum. He's not trying to attain anything. He's not trying to reach a certain object. There's no motivation here that I'm giving up the nefesh in order to have more nefesh, in order to have more life, in order to have a greater life, in order to be ultimately rewarded. Or to have my life live on in different ways. It's not to reach any chayfets, any rots, zulus levado. He's doing it for Hashem. And this is not possible. Because how can it be possible? If my eye is motivating me to do it, there must be some agenda here. This must be something that's deeper than Tam Vedas. In other words, the Mesiris Nefesh Alpi Tam Vedas is Moiridik, but that's not the ultimate meaning of the word Mesiris Nefesh. It's used, it's powerful, it's positive, and sometimes it's extraordinary in different forms and different manifestations. 
within the Jewish world, and Lahavdi will have it outside of the Jewish world. What does he mean for the relationship? What does he mean for God? Even not the relationship. Even not the relationship. Even the relationship is a very high form. But that would be like a mother giving up her life for a child. Right. That would be for the relationship, not for any star for herself. Right. That would be the same. That was same. Right. So yeah. dumb. Yeah. Not even for the relationship, because I want a relationship with you. In other words, because I want to experience a relationship with you, which again may be beautiful. We're not. He's not knocking the first mesidus nefesh. He's just quantifying its nakuda that the word real mesidus nefesh has to be understood. So it has to be volitional and yet without any ideas. Yeah. Where do you see a concept? Ah. Where do you see a concept? Very good. Where do you see a concept of this? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because if it makes sense, what makes sense? That it makes sense. <laughs> sense by definition got to make sense. That's why it says Kiim lamaila benatam vedas. In other words, what makes sense is that this shouldn't make sense. Why, why should I do it? Very good. If you're asking the question why, you're right. You shouldn't. <laughs> In the world of why, you will not have an answer for this. That says vizayefsher. If you're asking why, you're asking a good question. And the answer is, you got a point. You got a point. You make an investment, you may take risks. Unless you're crazy, unless you're a lunatic. Which means you're just an unpredictable. It means then you're you're crazy in your own way. Then there's no decision. Right? It's good feelings. If there is... I'm looking, I'm looking for something. I don't want Gashmi, I want Ruchni. I'm ready to give up Elamaza, I want Elam Haba. I'm ready to give up my Guf, I want my Neshama. I'm ready to give up temporary things for Nitzchias. That's all Tam Vedas, makes sense. Like the soldier goes to battle. Individually he may die, but the country lives on. The matriarch or the patriarch of the dynasty sacrifices themselves. The dynasty lives on. You have it even where? You have it in the animal kingdom, you have it. You have it in the animal kingdom. Not only Lamalam and Adas and Yefshar, but he's saying the whole door, every single person had this come up. Oh. According to the Balatanya, this is where the Nekuda of Yiddishkeit begins. This is the secret of the Jewish people. And it's not Tam Vedas. Not that there's no Tam Vedas, there's Tam Vedas. And this is the Nekuda of anti-Semitism. And this is why the Hitlers of the world hate the Jewish atheist as much as they hate the greatest Rebbe Rosh Yeshiva Tzaddik. Because in this Nekuda there's no difference between Jews. In the appreciation of Olam Haba, of Ruchnis, you can't compare two people. That's where the religious Jew is religious and the unreligious Jew is irreligious. That's all in the world of Tam Vedas. There's another world in the Jewish people that's Lamaila Metam Vedas. Lamaila Metam Vedas means in the world of logic and equations and sense, we all make investments, we all sacrifice. Baruch Hashem, we live in America, so we don't have to know what Mesiris Nefesh means, like many, many of our grandparents and great-grandparents know. The uniqueness of this generation, not that it doesn't exist, 
we have it and we had it in Pittsburgh and in Eretz Yisrael last week, etc. But this generation is blessed with a lot of blessings. But we all know about different sacrifices that people make. And a, a smart person makes sacrifices. And, and intelligent people and deep people and great people make bigger sacrifices. Why? Not because they're, 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 they're moronic, on the contrary. Because they see the, the, the grand opportunity. Nothing so eagles uh, the Arabs and our son in, in the Middle East as when there's a, a suicide bomb bus and the Israelis all get up and say, this changes nothing for us. If you think that anything is different yeah. now, it's not, and that's, that makes them crazy. Because yeah. that, that's, that, what kind of logic is that? You see yeah. what's killing you. They're trying to crush the spirit. They're trying to crush the spirit. That's why he said that that this Indian has to be Lamailam and Atam Vedas. In other words, there's a world of Tam Vedas where you ask why and you can answer. And that means we invest. And when I invest, I lose something. That's why I got rid of it. But I want percentage. I want it back and I want it in a bigger way. If not, you shouldn't invest. If you make an investment and you know you're going to lose your money, I mean, maybe some people do it because they're dealing with a con artist, but it's not worth an investment. What about an investment of life? People invest 50 years in a company for what? To be thrown out into the street? You're paying a bank for your house for 30 years. What, you should lose the house? These are all investments. And then there's sacrifices. People sacrifice to raise kids. Sacrifice to make ends meet. Sacrifice to go to school for years. And loans and mices. All types of sacrifice that people make every day. But what are all these sacrifices? Lefum tsaira agra. Then there's the ultimate sacrifice in life. We call Mesiris Nefesh. Says the Balatanya, it's not, it's not Mesiris Nefesh, Ba'emes. It's Mesiris Nefesh, the person is ready to give up everything. But essentially it's just expanding the realm of opportunity and the realm of possibility. Some people are not just living in this world, and if it's pleasurable in this world, it's everything. There were kings and leaders and generals and soldiers who saw their identity as part of a country. And a 19-year-old boy in the trenches who died with the, for his country and felt a certain sense of satisfaction, even tremendous pain and agony, and without regret, not everybody, but there were soldiers who died without regret. Some people, I'm sure, died with regret. But there's a certain feeling, I die, but do I die? No, my country lives on. And if I am associated with my country. Don't I live on that way? In other words, if you could just manage to get my eye to be linked with a larger eye, then what does that mean? It means I live on. Long live the United States of America. If I'm America, and America is me, I'm a real patriot. That's what a patriot is. That's what they try to instill in the children. I mean, uh, the left doesn't like it so much. But this is what countries like to inculcate in their children. Patriotism. You know what a patriot is? Some of you grew up in Siddhashi Yeshivas, you know what I'm talking about. Huh? I'm willing to die for your country. A patriot is, you are your country. Your country is here for you, and you got to be here for your country. We had a president who said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Huh? What does that have to do? Got shot in his head two years later in Dallas. What does it have to do? 
this is a speech of Kennedy during his inauguration address, January 1961. Yes, yes. Now, God forbid to knock patriots. It's not a knock of patriotism. It's just an understanding of what we're talking about. Why is such a Why should he die? Davin? If it's not for something. Oh, good question. So, so, so that's one state. That's one state. He's saying it's not mysterious nefesh amitis. Why should a person Davin? There could be a lot of reasons. Some people love the meditation, right? It's a very special thing. In the whole world, enochinami. Well, he's saying is that it's logical. That's, that's, a, that's logical. Avoid I serve God because there's something in it for me. Just like I show up in your office every day because you give very nice paychecks. And you can't blame. It's a, that's the normal way of living. I have my interests. You got your interests. If we could bring them together, you invest, I invest. We both make money. It makes sense. Our egos come together. Same with marriage. Why do you get married? You don't know, huh? <laughs> Oh, so why does a person get married, right? So let's talk in a classic sense, and I know that doesn't always exist, right? Two people love each other, and they feel like they could benefit each other. So what is that? Not about self-interest, really? What is it about? I gave up myself? And I know some people don't know what I'm talking about, but there's such a concept of marriage. <laughs> I said I know some people don't know what I'm talking about. Fine. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no ups and downs, that there's no changes, just like with a partner in business. We may have sechsuchim. Why do you have a partner in your business? Why don't you have the 100 shares for yourself? And the answer is because I need his $50 million. That's why. <laughs> That's why. It doesn't mean we don't have a good relationship. We have a good relationship. But you got to call a spade a spade. So when we f- use the, we like the word Mesidus Nefesh, the Balatanya is saying, just remember, there's Mesidus Nefesh and there's Mesidus Nefesh Amitis. And this is Kedar Kebekoidosh, that you always have to go down to the Nekud of Emes. Back to Davani, what would be the ultimate reason? Maybe the Balatani then. You wrote to Hashem, Hashem. Who says everything has to be an example of me for serious nefesh? And if you daven because you want to so I see the ultimate. What's the ultimate What's the goal? What's the... What's the Align the rights the Maharal has a sefer, Nesivus, Nesivus Oilam, Nesivat Shuvah, Nesivat Nesivat So he starts off the sefer. And he says that when a person serves Hashem for schar, he should just realize it's not Avoidus Hashem. His Lashen is sharper. It's called self-worship. That's what the Maharal says. And I understand why. I'm serving you? I'm serving me. I'm using you. That doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. You got the money. I got the skill. Right? <laughs> You're using me. I'm using you. I was once uh, by Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz. So I was uh, just consulting with him about something. So he said, just remember in life, you're going to give a speech somewhere. You're going to get a standing ovation for three minutes. Don't think it was for you. It was for the entertainment they got from you. <laughs> So just keep that in your mind. <laughs> just remember you entertained. 
they're applauding the entertainment they got from you. He that? said, surround yourself with a few people who actually care about you, not about your entertainment. Mm-hmm. Not bad advice, right? Is that criminal? It's not criminal. That's how the world revolves. That's how economies, that's how, that's how our market thrives. I have interests, you have interests. If our interests could somehow collide, great. Now my interest may be physical, very material, maybe, and my interest may be large, spiritual, cosmic, maybe otherworldly, great. So Ruchniyus becomes part of myself, just like my country could be part of me. So at my last breath, I feel like I live because I am my country, and my country lives, and that's why I sacrificed. What if I understand that I is not just a goof, but also an neshama? Does it take, you have to be a rocket scientist, maybe today, to understand that a person is not only a goof and a neshama? Every goof dies. Is everybody dead forever? Everybody is gone? The six million Jews gone? Everyone died in 9-11, gone forever? The fate of Hitler and the six million is exactly the same after death? After death, everybody is exactly the same after death? There is a very profound logic and understanding that life continues. And the fate of Hitler after death, or Goebbels after death, or Eichmann after death, is not the fate of the six million after death. There's a difference between the murder. It's not just everybody becomes the same fodder for the same worms, or in their case, ashes. So if somebody understands, I'm not just a body. And a bullet could take a body, but not a soul. And an illness can take a body. An old age can take a body, but a soul continues, right? Which is a basis, of course, in Yiddishkeit. People have Yartzeit. People say Kaddish. And it, really every religion and many spiritual people, that there's something that lives on. There's something that lives on. And I want to invest in that. That makes sense. <laughs> I want to invest in that. Not that I don't care about my goof, I care very much about my body, I should care about my body, but I also want to invest in something deeper. That's called Tam Vedas. That's called spiritual reasoning, even logical reasoning. Then there's something Lamailam in a Tam Vedas. That's Mesiris Nefesh Amitis. What's that? <laughs> so in the world of Tam Vedas, you're going to say, why? And the answer is, you're right. If you're asking why, I have no answer to why. Because why is the world of logic? The world of logic, it has to make sense. If I'm doing something, why does anybody do any? Why did you come to this shir this morning? Can anybody tell me? I know why I came. Okay, so you came for entertainment. Thank you for the honesty. Mr. Snafish, really? Amitis? You wanted to sleep for an hour, sir. We want to grow. That's ourselves. You want to grow? That's be- that's beautiful thing. Look, why do you come? Find my soul. <laughs> okay, that's a beautiful thing, Lenny. Why did you come? I don't know. Finally, Sir Snevers. Oh, Lenny came. Sir He doesn't agree with a word I said, but he still comes. When I was a bach in yeshiva, they used to say that uh, they used to tell us this legendary story about this boy who, on the day of his wedding, right. He came to yeshiva, and in the afternoon he asked the principal permission if he can go to his chasana. He was such a yeshiva bocher, and there was a name, everybody else in yeshiva, they knew the Pliny, Ben Pliny. It was like legend. On the day of his wedding, he showed up, they started 7.30 to learn, and he sat and learned, and then at the time of the wedding, 
Yeah, he didn't want to get divorced before the chasana. So he asked the manal permission, the Rosh Hashiva permission, if he can go to his own chasana. So this was legend. Then we, uh, I'm Isa Shai, but it was legend. Then we had a shear here, 5.30 in the morning, and there was Yehuda Nadolf was here, and he was getting married, and he came on the day of his wedding. He came 5.30 to learn Gemara, and uh, 6.30 Shulchan Aruch, and 7 o'clock Chassidus. So I told him, when I grew up in yeshiva, it was a legend. And now, now I see it. Rabbi Isaac is making chasana tonight. And he's here. The chasin mela, the chasin doesn't got to pay the bills. But the father, the father of the kala, he got to pay. <laughs> and he's still here. It's even a bigger chiddush than the chasin. So the question is, why are you here? Now, somebody might say, somebody once told me, you know why I come? He says, it's much better than the house. <laughs> so that's the example. That's, that's also serious Nefesh, right? But why? Because the place where you are is too painful. So whenever I'm trying to avoid pain, you have to identify that. Sometimes I want to go there. Sometimes I want to leave here. Yeah. It's a famous base. Halevi. Whenever you leave somewhere, you have to know why did you leave? Did you leave to get out of this place? Or did you leave to go there? Many times people leave because they simply want to get out of somewhere, right? A lot of people leave Yiddishkeit. Why are they leaving? <laughs> they don't know where they're going. But the, the, it's so, I'm so miserable, they have to run away. Right? So I'm just trying to avoid pain. Whenever you're trying to avoid pain... Here, you have to just realize what is going on. You're simply trying to protect yourself from pain. Then there's sometimes, I want to go here. Yeah. Why? Because I want more pleasure. I want greater pleasure. I want deeper pleasure. Somebody who understands that eternal pleasure is much greater than temporary pleasure. And the soul's pleasure is really deeper than the body's pleasure because the whole body is only alive from the soul. So there are sacrifices that are unbelievably heroic but they ultimately, they ultimately make sense. Then there's something called Lamaila Minatam Vedas that has to be explored a little more. Okay. You contradicted yourself. The ultimate reason for davening is not Lamaila Minatam Vedas. The ultimate reason for davening is because there's good reasons to daven. <laughs> If davening takes an hour a day, a half an hour a day, two hours a day, it's an investment. You could have gone to work at 7 o'clock and maybe made more money, right? Or get things done. Davening is an investment. Learning is an investment. But why are people making these investments? Shabbos and Yom Tif is an investment. I close my office, I close my store, I close my website. So it's with reason. We know this reason. Tradition, parents, I love it. It's very admirable. It's very admirable, of course. Of course, when you're doing logical things, it's very admirable. And never mind when a soldier is ready to sacrifice for his country and a, and a leader is ready to sacrifice for their country. And, and remember, it's not only physical life. What about a person who dedicates 70 years to, to, to an organization, to a community? Right? There are leaders who have mysterious nefesh, physical mysterious nefesh. They have no day and no night. They don't eat. They don't sleep. You're saying it's not even about the relationship with Tanya. I think he explained. It depends how you define a relationship. What he was asking is, if I'm doing it because the relationship is so meaningful, it's so beautiful, I may not be getting money. Yeah? I'm close to Roshan. 
It's a tremendous thing. If I love listening to somebody, so I come, yeah? I love listening to somebody. It just enriches me. It, I go away filled and satiated. So it's my food. It, it's beautiful food. It's great. Don't take this. This is not a... The problem is when we learn things, we right away go into judgment mode. You go into judgment. You think he's judging. You have to get rid of that. He doesn't sit and judge. When he says, this is not this, it's not this, it's not a judgment, fakert. He's trying to lovingly show, just identify. You understand? It's not a judgment that it's not mysterious. Never, it's, it's fine. It, it's a beautiful thing. It's fine. Huh? It's just a brisket. It's just a brisket. No, no. When you, when you identify, then there's real growth. This is this, this is that. And then you can also appreciate, as he's going to do, what Yiddishkeit is. When you understand what's not Mesidus Nefesh, then you can understand what is Mesidus Nefesh. He's not trying to put down Mesidus Nefesh. He's trying to bring up what real Mesidus Nefesh is. If you would think this is Mesidus Nefesh, you would never understand what a Jew is. It would be very nice. Everybody would feel good. We're all on Mesidus Nefesh. (laughs) He wants to bring out what real Yiddishkeit is. What Purim was? What bothered Haman so much? What is Geiril is? This is all going to explain what Geiril is. It's only a Chud of Geiril, which of course doesn't make sense. <laughs> he still calls him <laughs> He says in Sifri Hayira, it's called Mesiris Nefesh. Baltani is not saying to delete all Sifri Hayira. He's just saying when it says Mesiris Nefesh, Sinish Mesiris Nefesh Amitis. The Gemara says there's Emes La Amitoy, there's Emes. There's Svas Emes and there's Sheker. <laughs> Svas Emes. Yeah? The whole Sefer called Svas Emes. The lip, the edge of Emes. Then there's Emes. Then there's Emes Lamitoy. <laughs> He's not saying it's Sheker. It's not Sheker. It's a beautiful, tremendous thing. It's called benefits. Who lives without benefits? <laughs> you want to know what it is? The Zen. Was Kenan Ibn Leben noch ein Tag? Was Kenan Ibn Leben noch ein Tag? Yeah. Okay. Good question. Kiddush Hashem is Messias Nefesh. Avad it's Messias Nefesh. Sichem Mamesh. Ayid Gitavek the Leben is Messias Nefesh. As not Masbel Sedoi Messias Nefesh Gufa, Messias Nefesh. Messias Nefesh betachlis ha'emes. And that's a deeper type. Not chas v'shalem. But what we're going to learn is that in every Mesidus Nefesh of a Jew, even if it's self-motivated, there's an akud of real Mesidus Nefesh. And that's why the Jew is seen as something so mysterious. And that's from this comes the deepest Jew hatred. From this weirdness, from this sense, the anger, the anger. Something that's that's not rational. Because the Mesidus Nefesh of the Jew is not rational, it triggers a hate that's not rational. In other words, I hate you because you threaten me. I understand that. You want to take my country. You want to take my life. I hate you. We understand that. That's normal. <laughs> it's normal, like animals. You want, you, you're my food. You're my territory. I, you're a threat to me. I got that. 
But there's another Nekudah, Nekudah of Amalek. It's a different Nekudah. You're not doing anything to me. It's not just a little bit of Victor It's not just a little bit of Victor Frankl. Because he was free in them and it made them crazy. Made them crazy. Made them crazy. There was a woman once, a woman once, who came by the Nazis. She was, uh, she has it in her book, Yafa uh, Eliach, about the stories of the Holocaust. I think I saw it there somewhere else. She knew she was going to be shot tomorrow, so she uh, she asked a German uh, if she could uh, if she could go to the mikveh. She says, "What do you need?" She says, "I'm going to give my soul uh, back to God. I want to be in a state of purity." So he told her in in German. He said, "Is ein nicht kein Menschen? You guys are not human beings. Nicht kein Mensch." He drove it drove him mad. He shot her right away. He drove him mad. What drove him mad was I'm a shagas. Looking at me, come on. It's not so like uh, she's not going to do any. What's she going to do in the mikvah? Shoot him? Auschwitz. My mother grabbed Auschwitz. She was seventeen years old, and her mother was really. She said to the Nazis, "How does she communicate? Make sure so good to You know, it's you know, and she's." He just, he froze, you know. Really? Her mother told her. Your mother's mother. My mother's mother. She was there. She was there. She was being separated. She's, she was asking shit. Wow. When you're talking about the lining to mind. Yeah. So, you have the middle of the When was it? How do you understand that you found a higher level? We'll see, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, with On that level, on that, this, 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 yeah, on one level, I'm davening because I have needs, exactly. And I come to the boss and I daven. Yeah, 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 it's okay. It's okay. And this is all commercially available? living on No, I was saying that some people, for them, that is eternal life. That their name lives in memory. As far as their brain goes, this is where they This is, their eye is larger than just living in my body, my name, my eye becomes my name, my glory, yeah, Alexander the Great died at the age of 32 or 31, right, they still remembered, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, Pushkin said that he made for himself a statue, which is not a handmade statue, it's words, right, made of words, yeah, yeah, road to it will never be uh, obliterated. obliterated. The greatest, yeah. My father loved Pushkin. The greatest Russian poet was Alexander Pushkin. He died from a duel, a fight, a fight, because you embarrassed him, I think at the age of 36. So he said in one of his poems, yeah, that he built for himself a statue that can never be obliterated, because it's a statue out of words, because he was a poet. And the roads to it, right, the roads to it can never be obliterated, because it's a statue out of words. In other words, I'm going to live on through my books, through my words, through my works. So if I can, if my eye, 
in in my perception, in my perception, yeah, yeah. And then somebody may come to this author and say, yeah, you live or you destroy all your books, and he may die and leave his books intact. Why? Mesiris Nefesh in his level, yeah, because his books, in a way. Uh, he's giving himself away for a deeper self, for a larger self, for his books, which will live on for two thousand years. So it's an ego. It's my intellect. It's my ego. Yeah, doing it for me. It may, it may be a beautiful choice. We're not criticizing. Maybe a beautiful choice. And some of the and when it comes to Yiddish guide, it's the most admirable choice there exists. He's giving it away for Hashem, for Elam Haba, for Schar. For Nitzchias, for for MS, for relationship with Hashem, for Ruchnias, whatever it is, person makes sacrifices for his family. How many people make sacrifices for their family? Mothers for their children. Childbirth used to be mesiris nefesh. It still is. Childbirth is also mesiris nefesh. That could be. That could be. Some parents are that way. <laughs> I want to live on through my kids. I want to live on through my books. As long as my eye becomes expanded and identified by the book, my books, my works, so then when I die, I didn't die because my works are living. And Lahavdul and Torah you have it. The Gemara says, Anoichi, Mesechus Shabbos, Kovdalad, Anoichi, Ano, Nafshi, Ksavis, Yehavis. The word Anoichi is, I put my soul into Torah. A author could put his soul into his works. He says, I live through my works. My works live on. My country lives on. My dynasty lives on. My empire lives on. Sometimes people build an empire and they sacrifice themselves for that empire. But my empire lives on and I live on. So it's not, he says, I didn't give up my soul. Of course, I didn't give up. I want my soul to continue to be in a larger way, in a more, in a grander way. Stifus. Yeah, You just have to see what the eye is. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.